This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 7.06am on Friday, the 24th of November. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Wong Xiaoning. Now, in half an hour, we're going to be discussing the economy of our northern neighbour, Thailand, on the back of weaker-than-expected Q3 GDP data this week. But, as always, we are going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets, however, were closed for Thanksgiving, but they have to be very thankful for the Magnificent Seven for sure. But if you turn over in Asia, it was a mixed bag. The Nikkei was up 0.3%, Hang Seng up 1%, Shanghai Composite up 0.6%, but Singapore's STI down 0.1% and back home FBM KLCI down 0.2%. I have to correct you, even Japan was closed for Thanksgiving. They also have a lot to be thankful for because on a year-to-day basis, they are up also 28%, so not bad at all. Not bad. All right. Well, first, some thoughts on how the rest of the international markets are doing. We have on the line with us Clifford Bennett, independent economist. Uh, Clifford, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, if we take a look at the uh, tech-heavy Nasdaq, they closed nearly half a percent up uh, just before Thanksgiving with 63% of the stocks in the index rising in the last trading day before the holiday. Do you see this as a seasonal Santa rally or are there strong fundamentals for why investors are still risk on technology? I, I, good morning. I think there is a little bit of a capital flow towards the technology stocks because U.S. investors in particular, the big hedge funds, etc., are getting more and more nervous about what's happening on Main Street USA. So they're a little bit more cautious of the general manufacturing services companies and are seeing the technology stocks as a way of investing the money that hits their desks every month somewhere uh, and feeling a little bit more safe about it. But the opening comment about the Magnificent Seven was very accurate. Um, With the NASDAQ, the price action is incredibly bullish. Uh, and it still looks like it wants to climb higher, although it spent the last few days making marginal new highs without really kicking on, and that could have something to do with the Thanksgiving break. I've got a key level for people to write down and keep in mind, a support level at 15,850. While that holds, the market is immediately bid, but any movement below there, particularly 15,700, would probably suggest that overall US equities may be due for another downturn. So I think those levels are important to keep an eye on. Well, I just want to build on that point, right? You sold Apple shares after initially being long on the stock. Was the reason that we've reached the support level there? Uh, I, I I think the main reason for me looking to do that, well, there's two. I do see the US economy more negatively in outlook than most economists and, and commentators. And the market sentiment is all about how strong the US economy is, but it actually isn't when you look at all of the economic data. So I see a, a big picture trading opportunity. And my favorite movie was The Big Short. And in that movie, there is a great line where it is mentioned that no one thought to sell the triple A's in the GFC. So I'm thinking big A is Apple. I'll keep an eye on it. And then the price action of the last several weeks has been unusual, like you could even say abnormal, in that it's been such a steady gain day by day by day, such a narrow low volatility uptrend that it tells us that there has been a single or perhaps one, two or three, but 
very much a primary buyer of this stock. And it may have to do with buybacks and it may have to do with one of the big super funds uh, actually deciding it's going to own a lot of Apple. So it's abnormal price action and that has encouraged a lot of short-term speculators to join the rally as well. So I'm seeing it as getting a little bit too long in terms of the near-term speculation. And should that buying stop as all, whenever there is that style of buying, it does eventually come to an end because the order is filled, then Apple could have a sharp downturn. So I, and I do like the price rejection uh, just before Thanksgiving. So I am still short Apple. Clifford, what about your views on artificial intelligence? And the reason why I'm asking this is because the whole week, it's all just been about OpenAI and Sam Altman. Uh, and of course, he's <laughs> temporarily moved to Microsoft and then back to uh, OpenAI. But do you think this is a theme that that's going to deliver in 2024? We did see NVIDIA shares being one of the best performers in S&P 500. And recently, Microsoft hitting an all-time high on the back of that also. I, I do think, you know, even in movie land, people love a tragic comedy. Uh, and that's really been very much the story here. It's just got too much drama going on in the nature and the story of the background story of Altman and AI for anyone to look away, if you like. It's sort of how do you look away from a car crash kind of situation. Um, but certainly AI has been, you know, the big mover of the year, really. Um, I'm a big believer myself, and people probably haven't heard this before, but we need to be reminded of organic intelligence. <laughs> and I do see the AI story as being one that's here for the long term, but beware short-term volatility or even medium-term volatility in that space uh, because it may be overdone for the moment or it may be going higher. It's going to have the kind of volatility, I think, uh, that Bitcoin saw in its early days. So I, I would say to people, you can do very well in AI stocks, uh, but you have to see it as perhaps a little bit more of a casino than the vanilla just buy artificial intelligence story. Can we take a look at what's happening over in Australia with regard to inflation? The RBA governor, Michelle Bullock, contends that Australia's inflation problem is homegrown as opposed to mainly driven by global factors outside the central bank's control. What do you make of her comment and how is this going to factor into the last upcoming monetary policy decision for the year? Um, great question. I would suggest the key point here is, is if your listeners want to be really clever in the sphere of economics and economic outlooks and economic activity and understanding contemporary economics, then the last person you would listen to is the governor of Reserve Bank. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it's all very well what she's saying and what she's thinking, but she's not really a, an economic guru by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we do have to trade according to the, the official interest rate movement. I think she's making it quite clear that she's willing to sort of really beat her chest and say the RBA is independent despite the recent poor performance review and the removal of the previous governor, um, that the RBA is independent and we will do whatever we want with monetary policy and we think it's only domestically driven, which is really interesting on another point in that Yes, a lot of the inflation has been domestically driven by the Reserve Bank itself when it kept interest rates near zero uh, when the economy was already growing strongly. So who does that? 
Um, and that has contributed greatly to the inflation situation in Australia, as did uh, the biggest COVID stimulus spend per capita in the world when we had one of the lowest case rates in the world. So um, she is right. There are domestic forces at play, but you can't discount the global geopolitical uh, issues. And I, I think one of the reasons the Reserve Bank would want to discount those issues is they have very little understanding of the global contemporary economic forces and they've just put it in the too hard basket and said oh no it's only about domestic so i hope i haven't been too hard on the rba but i am uh, sponsoring a movement to rename the organization <laughs> the reverse bank of australia <laughs> There you go again, throwing shade against the RBA. But you've also thrown shade against the US dollar, right? It's king dollar going forward because you've highlighted excessively high US debt will affect its position as the de facto yes, currency yes. of the world. It's been a real tussle there. Uh, you know, it's really a tussle between those higher yields uh, supporting the US dollar and people getting concerned about the global economic slowing and wondering if they should be moving their funds to the US. And by moving their funds to the US, I include large US corporates in that. Because whenever large US corporates and fund managers get scared, they tend to recoil. It's a normal human reaction. Uh, and they bring money back to the US. And when they see the higher yield there, they're increasingly attracted to do so. So that will support the US dollar, that higher yield. But I believe the higher yields are largely a function of the rest of the world, particularly China and Japan, I may suggest, just saying, well, you know, the US is just on this huge spending bend, uh, which shows no sign of ever stopping uh, GDPs, you know, debt to GDP is well above 130%. If you want to keep borrowing from the rest of the world, you're going to have to pay more to do, to do so. So we want a higher price for investing in US treasuries. Um, so I think that, you know, there's two forces at play on the US dollar. One, it's having a fiscal crisis, uh, and but that fiscal crisis is included in proving yield and that tussle in investors' minds is still sorting itself out. So there could be strength in the US dollar for the time being, but the long-term big picture outlook for the US dollar is that it goes much lower, maybe 10, 15% lower over the next couple of years. And that's because obviously BRICS, you know, BRICS members now account to 40% of world manufacturing. So there's a lot of uh, economic power in the world that wants to shift really, uh, not be so singularly focused, I should say, on the US dollar. So that will also make it vulnerable long term. Clifford, thanks as always for the chat. That was Clifford Bennett, independent economist, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Well, initially when he did Triple A, I thought he was talking about Alphabet, Amazon, and uh, actually Apple. But actually, no, today's conversation was about Apple, AI, and Australia. <laughs> That's the Triple A for the conversation today. What I did pick up was he does think that artificial intelligence, or at least the price movement of anything related to that, is like Bitcoin, the early days. Mm. And I only need to remind everyone, Bitcoin started at zero and now it's at 36,000. So go figure yeah. in terms of what the potential could be like. But I wonder if users for AI will now say, look, we cannot entirely rely on ChatGPT, OpenAI for all our solutions on, uh, you know, uh, artificial general intelligence, mm. whether we need to start diversifying the offerings there on AI as well. And maybe we'll see more players enter the market. For sure, for sure. All right, it is 7.17 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but uh, we'll come back to look at more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. So stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.